previously on Unnecessary Side Project. Joe collected stamps. And Matt didn't have any hobbies. Hi, I'm Gene Rodbury. And I'm Steve. And welcome to the podcast, uh, Necessary Side Project, back for another week. We did it. We did it, yeah. Uh, this time around, I'm happily in the captain's chair, you might say. Um, yes. And I thought I would uh, steer this ship on a track towards... I am so excited for this sentence yeah. to continue. <laughs> this one is... It's... <laughs> I'm going to beam up to this sentence mm-hmm. and talk about science fiction, I think, for this uh, this podcast. Um, and I thought we would, what we would talk about is some of the sh- uh, shows and universes and worlds and movies that we like, uh, ones we don't like, places we like to live, things like that. Um, so on that note, I thought I'd ask you, Joe, um, in all the science fiction lore that we watch, what's your, probably your favorite series or world or universe that you've seen established? Um, well, <clears throat> uh, if you could start the timer as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to include this. You're yep. seeing a little behind the scenes action here. We have a timer. Spoiler yep. alert. <laughs> yeah. We, we keep track of time. Um. Probably Star Trek, but not original series and not after. So ne- just the next generation because everything was sort of great there. Yep. Like, it, you know, there was a lot of fighting in the original series and a lot of fighting in, like, Deep Space Nine and stuff. Everything seemed pretty cool in Next Generation. Everyone was happy. Every human was, like, the pinnacle of humanity and empathy, and there was no money. Uh, every it was just sort of this idealist type uh, situation and, and and universe, and you know as the seasons went on, there was more and more conflict. But sort of the beginning of Next Generation, when sort of Roddenberry was still at the helm of it, it was very like this is what humanity should strive for, and uh, yeah, definitely. I, I I mean I love that show so much. So. Yeah, I think I think that show. I think that universe is, was very uh, um, optimistic when you compare it to the first, I don't like the first generation, but the original series. Yeah. Because they were obviously the Cold War things going on, so they were kind of mimicking that or mirroring that. But the next generation, it was this nice lull in the 90s where the economy wasn't in the garbage can. Yeah. We, technology was growing, so things were pretty exciting. We were friends with Klingons. Yeah, we were friends with Klingons, I yeah. mean, if we, if we can tame the, the Russian beast that is the Klingons, because that's yeah. who they were supposed <laughs> yeah. to be, I mean, we still fought with the Romulans, but still, it was a, it's a great, great time to be in the stars. Yeah, so then, but then they add the Borg towards the end of that series. Like, yeah. Do you still want to live in that universe with the Borg oh, that is no. existing? Well, no, not really. I mean, the Borg are terrifying. Yeah. Um, well, I think Q is as terrifying because he's yeah. just so he's, he's so just omnipotent. A, he's just a scamp. Yeah. He's just he's just out there to. Ha- I mean, the whole idea is that that series never really happened, and everything was being controlled by Q, and it was all one big long. That's one of the theories. Yeah. Is that everything was one big long. Uh, set of tests by Q to determine if humanity was ready to uh, enter the the outer universe or, or farther than they've ever been. So, like the next level of like the Prime Directive. So, yeah. So, I mean, like it's established that they can only go so far mm-hmm. uh, with their current technology and only know about like certain areas of the universe. Mm-hmm. And like the Borg came from outside of that reach. Like they. There was an episode where I was just going to talk about Next Generation's whole episode. Um, There was an episode where Q is messing with them and throws them 
farther away than humanity has ever been, and that's where they first encounter the Borg. And once the Borg encounters humanity, it starts plotting a course towards Earth and towards uh, the Federation. And that's what sort of started. So oh, Q, okay. Q really screwed him over in that respect. Yeah. Um, that would be your number one universe to actually live in. Like, if you could wake up tomorrow... If you're walking in a hallway, let's say, a metaphorical hallway... Yeah. You could walk through a doorway and, like, you suddenly you've been transported to that world or that universe. You'd well, want to be in that one? it depends on what you were doing. Because, I mean, if you're on Earth, I don't know if there's a whole lot of great things going on. It's just kind of everything's shinier. Um, oh, this, you're in Starfleet, but, but you're wearing a red shirt. Right. Well, <laughs> hey, that means in Next Generation, that means, well, I guess the Ensigns also wore red, but I could be a commander. There you go. A commanding officer, so uh, that's good. I could be William T. Riker. There you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Next Generation was interesting to me in ter- as, a, as a universe goes, because some of it was so human, like exploring, just like the first, the first series was, yeah. and discovering civilizations kind of... Troubleshooting the problems they find there, but then you add Q, the Borg, and then was it Guinan? Is that Whippy Goldberg's character? Yes, Guinan. And uh, I can't remember um, uh, Diana Troy and other kinds of like uh, Deanna. Deanna, sorry, my apologies. Jump on. Oh, uh, going back a couple podcasts, we called James Naismith uh, Joe Naismith, oh, okay. and we were corrected by that. So I think that extra level of um, sort of omnipotence with Q or the the kind of psychoanalysis, or whatever you want to call it, I um, um, can't think of the word, when you can... For the Borg? No, for, uh, for Troy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, she's an empath. And so for an empath, read, yeah. yeah. That seemed like a little bit wishy-washy, like, she didn't seem to really be totally relevant all the time. Yeah, well, it's because she was a, a product of two worlds, because her, she was half, I can't remember the name of the race that she was in, but she was only half, so that's why she was only an empath, whereas... Her mother, which was a full the race that I can't remember, yeah. she could like control people's thoughts and read people's minds and and, uh, and stuff. So it's just because she was sort of a halfling. Mm. Um, so um, well, my point was that there's sort of this level of almost like supernatural still going on with it. Mm-hmm. It kind of scares me, and that's what I don't like about a lot of the uh, a lot of other sci-fi worlds. Yeah. Um, I almost like the surety of ones that are just kind of like an apocalyptic wasteland because at least you know what you're dealing with. Yeah, I guess. Um, so like a Terminator Salvation. Yeah, so my, my next question is like what scientific or sci-fi universe would you least want to live in? Not like the one which is the worst movie because I'm sure there's crap movies out there but like which one would you not want to live in um, the most? Yeah, that's a very like good I'm thinking question. like you can go to the Matrix where you could live in a paradise Right. But it's all fake, and then you might end up in you know not living in that paradise yeah. whenever it recycles. You might not be enjoying steak anymore, yeah. which is a big plot point. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, you could be in like a post-apocalyptic, you know, uh, water world scenario or Terminator scenario. Depends on what you like drinking your own pee, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it made it into drinking water, so yeah. whatever. If you can, if you can desalinize it and you can make it drinkable, then what's who cares? It's mm. a pro- probably be for the good of humanity if we could take our pee and make it into drinking it's true. water. Um, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I've been no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna finish <laughs> that thought. Um, probably the worst. I mean, like any of the uh, sort of like dystopian type, like uh, the road and those kinds of movies. Yeah, or there. like um, V for v- was V for Vendetta Future. No, no, it was like a parallel history okay. uh, timeline. Um, yeah. Maybe it but was like Blade, Blade Runner, future. like where everything is yeah, like yeah. you're just essentially living in like Kowloon Wall City, where it's just skyscrapers yeah. blocking out the sun, and it's just dark, and there's neon everywhere. Um, yeah, like it, just 
the idea that everything gets so much worse. Humanity just, which, hey, we're pretty much going down that path. Yeah. It's not going to get much better, I don't think. I, uh, of all the different universes, like Star Trek is a nice one. I think my favorite, or one I find interesting to make me live in would be like Starship Troopers. Yeah. Which I know is not supposed to be the most well-developed um, uh, scientific world. It was kind of like a, the whole movie was supposed to be a, not a parody, but a satire of a lot yeah. of other things. I get that. But I still think it's cool. I think like, citizenship has its benefits and you join the military and they completely invent a war against these these alien bugs and stuff. Yeah, why not? But then again, now I think about it, Neil, Neil Patrick, Patrick Harris, Harris has, yeah, he's there, which makes everything better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that that universe for some reason. I don't know. There's still equality, like women and men fight together and everything else. Shower and, together. Yeah, shower together. That's kind of what I want to say, but yeah. I say, yeah. Well. Um, but I think like that, there's still the same, like, the same level of equality there. Although that being said, I think Star Trek has a leg up on it a bit because they have like the holodeck for one thing. Right. And they have the ability to just make their food whenever they feel like it of any kind. This is true. So in that note, on the or on that note, um, what kind of future tech, like some probably not realistic technology mm-hmm. that, that is somewhere off in the distant future, do you think from these sci fi shows is the most exciting or most interesting or you definitely most want to have? <clears throat> so Something that's within these shows that I hope we get. Uh, well, that if like if you could the one that you'd want the most, but uh, does not say realistic. Yeah, well, I mean, all of them are pretty much based on faster than light travel, which is so yeah. cool. Like the idea of essentially just being able to jump across the galaxy in a matter of seconds. So, like in in Star Wars with the hyperdrive, and you know, with the warp drive in in, in Star Trek, and uh, that's cool. But again, as a normal human, I don't think that's going to help. You're not really going to be affected by that that much other than people you know. Like, if you're not interested in going into Starfleet or going into the military, it's really probably not going to help you at all. Um, Probably the replicator in Star Trek, the ability to just grab matter and move things around. And same with the... uh, the transporter. Oh yeah, the transporter. You yeah, can do the transporter. So That's like just the ability helpful. to move distances instantaneously, and you know, a- as you transport, it checks your body for any foreign contaminants and that kind of stuff, and just takes it right out of you. Yeah. So like it, it's. What do you think is preventing us from having a transporter? Do you think the big oil lobby is just holding down the transporter industry? <laughs> yeah. Are we going, is this going to be another, <laughs> another conspiracy, conspiracy theory? theory? Yeah. yeah. Um, well. No, I, I'm just joking. Yeah, I, I've well, seen, I've I seen the fly. I know what happens when you build a transporter. Exactly. And the thing the thing with transporters is essentially it is taking you, putting, grabbing all of the information about you yeah. and your DNA and your, your molecular structure and everything, and then recreating you somewhere else, but your original self is being destroyed. Uh, and a lot of people, even though supposedly you'd retain all your own memories or whatever, it's, you're essentially just doing an instantaneous clone of yourself. So, I think a lot of people are kind of weirded out by that. Yeah, there's a, there's a, what's that uh, uh, magic movie or movie about magic and what a magician with thing it's Magic uh, Mike. <laughs> magic Mike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a movie where that happens where he clones himself every time to, to uh, prestige or something like that. Yeah, I've never prestige. seen that. Movie, oh, okay, anyway. But I, I but, know um, David Bowie's in that movie uh, as Nikola Tesla. Oh, there That's you all go. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's one thing I think Star Trek got wrong. So everyone always talks about all these. Uh, the ability Star Trek's had to predict things like, you know, things from cell phones to iPads. Yeah. William so, Shatner hosted a whole special about yeah. it. Yeah. I think the holodeck is actually, they kind of looked at it backwards because you look at the, the Oculus Rift now and other kinds of uh, virtual reality things. It, in the 
Holodeck puts the people in the room, and the yes. room is projected out, but it seems much more realistic. We're going to be tapping into our brains, much more like a Matrix-style world. Right. We're so going to go we, right into our uh, neurons, rather than, so when you're walking around, it'll all be in your brain. You wouldn't be doing anything in real life. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, but, uh, you, you'd have to, you have to agree that going into a room and then everything becomes a place that you want it to be is way cooler. Like, it, yeah. it's just laying, like in the Matrix, laying down in a chair and getting a big needle through the back of your head. That's and true. then you're in a new place. That's not, that's terrifying. Yeah. I don't want a needle in my head. But he learns jujitsu. That's amazing. It's true. He did download <laughs> all those sweet moves. I wonder, like, I never understood the holodeck in terms of, like, they go on there and they're just riding horses through, like, huge landscapes. Mm-hmm. And I never really understood how that happened. Like... How they can interact with things that have material substance to them. Uh, well, it's technically, it's a combination of hard light, so that it's just, like, what you're not interacting with uh, is essentially just, like, a, an illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you do interact with it, uh, I'm probably getting this wrong, yeah. I'm sure. Well, I, I'm sure the science fact checkers can let us know how the holodeck <laughs> really works. Excuse me. Uh, the squares are one meter by yeah, one meter, yeah. not point nine. Um, and then... Uh, a lot of it is actually using the transporters to bring in actual matter. So a lot oh. of the stuff is actually real in there, oh. supposedly. I mean, in, the, in this yeah, yeah, universe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, it just... If you get too close to a wall, essentially, you just... The room makes it seem like you're going places, but you're pretty much uh, just staying in the center of the room the whole time. Oh, okay. So one thing we haven't talked about is uh, Star Wars. A Star Wars universe. Yeah, I think... <laughs> the fact that we haven't touched on that, I think, leads yeah. us to believe that nothing in that movie is something we want. Yeah, other than it maybe. seems like the coolest in some ways, because there's, like, superpowers if you're a Jedi. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's cool fights in it. But like, it also seems just like a terrifying hell. Yeah. Where, like, this evil empire... Well, depending on who side you're on. Yeah. I assume that we're, you know, we're, we're not in favor of the empire, but... Well, this, I mean, I think... Have you seen Clerks? Uh, yeah, I have seen Clerks. That's a hilarious thing. Yeah, about the, the whole Death the whole Star, diatribe yeah. about how the Rebel Alliance is really the awful people yeah. because you know when they blew up the Death Star the first time, it was all bad people in there. But the second time it was still under construction, so they essentially just blew up a building with a bunch of contractors. contractors in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so which makes perfect sense. I mean, I think, but that but that place, some guys have magic superpowers, and then the bad guys have equal or greater than magic superpowers. Yes, that just seems terrifying. And then they also just have. Like there's, they have swords that are that cut through everything at all times. Yeah, I like, I like, uh, I wish every weapon, when it cut you, cauterized the wound yeah, <laughs> so that, that helpful, you wouldn't yeah. bleed. Yeah. You cut off my hand, whatever. As long as there's no mess, uh, that's fine. And you put me one of those back to tanks, yeah, big white liquid, and yeah. leave me in there, and then put a little robot hand on me. I'll be fine. I think that universe is one of the ones that. Like, I think Star Trek is an example where they, where I think Roddenberry had a pretty clear idea of what he wanted to do. Like, what would happen to humanity in the future when we've developed light, a speed of tra- the ability to travel beyond the speed of light, and we're interacting with new species, and what would that look like? And it was kind of a metaphor for the things we're talking about in, yeah. in politics at the time. Star Wars seems a lot less planned, and I think a lot of it was brought in after the fact. So let's explain what the Force is, because... Well, yeah, that's... I mean, you're talking about episodes one, two, and three now, which yeah, was yeah. just, uh, oh, just a terrible, terrible set of movies. Just, I mean, you have you have this, the Force, which is so magical and interesting, and only certain people are able to, and the Force is everywhere around you. And then, literally, one of the first things you do in the brand new trilogy is say, "Oh, it's just some particle, the uh, midichlorians that you have in your blood," and people yeah. who have more. So you're telling me. That if I went up to a Jedi and, you know, took a blood sample and put it in my arm, I could control the Force better? Like, it's just, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah, I think I think they tried to make 
the universe make a lot more sense than than it probably did. And I think they could have just easily stayed, not even with the first three movies. I mean, the first maybe two movies, I think, probably could have done it. Or, I don't know. Yeah. I don't... It, yeah. Uh... I also so if it's a galaxy far far away, yes. and a time a long ago, how are there human beings there? Did they well, ever address that question? They're not really humans then. In that, like it's 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 a they just happen to be human. Hey, Harrison Ford is all man. All, well, yeah, <laughs> man by the definition of that uh, sector of the universe. That's what it, they just they're humanoid. So I mean, uh, technically they're all aliens. They're all atrocities against God. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I was reading online, and someone said that, why did Chewbacca never say, hey, you know, like, why was he surprised when he saw Darth Vader for the first time or anything when, or like, hey, I know that's Anakin. Like, he, no, like, Chewbacca and Han Solo can talk to each other. Yeah. Chewbacca, in the first three movies, is established that he knows who Anakin Skywalker is. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> then, then he becomes Darth Vader. And so, like, why was... I don't know. Yeah, so I, you see, you understand why why Obi Wan never tells anybody. Like it's yeah. the same the same logic. Why don't R two D two and Yeah tell him? Yeah. Hey, by I, the way, it's your dad. Spoiler. Yeah, that's yeah. We we I was I was present when you yeah. were sent to another planet. Yeah. Yeah. They're I pretty know. much the heroes of the whole movies, I guess, because they they're there for every important battle. It's true. They usually have some weird linchpin moment where if it wasn't for their presence, they wouldn't get there. I remember sitting in the theater, and then when R two D two. Uh, showed that he had a little rocket launcher, not a rocket launcher, uh, a jetpack in his little shell, and he could fly. That just made the whole movie for us. Yeah. Like, we can just stop it right here. That's all I needed to see. Yeah, I think all that, like why they have to have a RHD two in the back of the fire jet, and all that kind of stuff. That's not really well thought out. It's just, yeah. let's just what things can make sense. Like he's driving on the fuselage of the pl- of the X fighter, like fixing it. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he's like the onboard computer. It's yeah, just I like uh, you know, swapping out a hard drive on a computer. I guess Except that makes you sense. could take the hard drive out, and then it's your friend outside. Yeah, little man, little little tidy R two D two. Uh, so what little piece of technology, so like a holodeck or traveling at light speed or whatever, those things are kind of big things. Yeah. What little thing do you notice in these kind of worlds that would be pretty cool? Um, the idea of like a universal translator, that seems yeah. to be a common thing in a lot of uh, different movies. Either having something implanted in your head so that you can understand in your own native language or something external so that as it's happening you have the ability to understand that. And we're kind of getting there. Uh, with human languages, obviously we have not encountered an alien that we know of yeah. that has spoken to us. Uh, but you know, the, they have the the thing on your smartphone now where you can hold it up, and if it's a sign in a different language, it'll overlay the picture with what the words mean in English. So if oh, you're no, in, really? if, yeah, if you're in like Portugal and you're you approach a sign, it's like, what does this mean? And it says, you know, like bridge out or something. This, that red, means this red octagon means stop. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, it's cra- The Portuguese have such <laughs> such interesting choices for their yeah. signs. Uh, that one actually seems pretty realistic. I wonder what what's more realistic that uh, we progress to a point where we all speak one language, whether it's English or Mandarin or something like that, yeah. or a universal translator comes and, and um, breaks down those barriers. Yeah, well, I mean, I think even even on even within the same language, like dialect is so regional yeah. that you know if you you speak to someone from Newfoundland. They sound completely different from someone in southern Ontario and someone in in BC. So it's I mean it's even if you are technically speaking the same language, and I mean Canadian English, American English, British English, they're all they all have their own subtleties. I mean like we have nothing like rhyming slang or anything. That's yeah. a whole Cockney British thing. That you know, if someone told me that I'm going to apples and pears, 
I would assume they're going to a store. But if if it's in England, that means they're going upstairs. Like it's just oh, really? it's, yeah, That's like it's weird. because stairs rhymes with pears, and then they yeah, take out yeah. the word and then add another word, so it's apples and pears. Oh. It's so it's yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so I mean, I think you know, even if we had a unified language across the board, um, we're still going to have difficulty understanding each yeah. other. Told to, um, our, to our legions of British fans. Please stop complicating our universal translation. Yeah, if you could just cut it out with your crazy rhyming slang and your whistling in public, that means you're going pick, to pickpocket someone. So let's just want to whistle in a mall. <laughs> but Every day. You ruined, you ruined it for us. It's one of the things more realistic that the humanity evolves to a point, or we develop to a point where it's, we're launching our first star, starship and we're going for Alpha Centauri, or we blow ourselves up in some terrible post-apocalyptic world, or the robots come after us like in Terminator... I think, I think, it's as as uh, uh, you know as humanity. A lot of us are very short sighted, and that's sort of uh, uh, a shortfall of of uh, you know being a human. Is like you 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 look out for yourself on sort of a minute to minute basis, and you're not really thinking about the long run. And it's always the people that can see you know 100 years in the future, 500 years in the future, or even just you know 10 years in the future that are able to put things in motion that progress humanity. Um, and I, th- I feel like <clears throat> even even though everything seems super dire right now with, you know, with the, the melting of the ice caps and with uh, you know, CO2 in the atmosphere and everything, we just finished watching Cosmos, so it's yeah. just <laughs> really not a really good feeling coming out of that. But there's always someone or some group of people every generation that, you know, is able to better, better humanity. Like every generation is objective, you know, objectively better off than the previous one. Even though you know now they're saying we're not making as much as our parents, but it might not. We might might not be looking at betterment of life in a monetary sense anymore. It's you know like the access to information that our generation has that baby boomers have, but maybe do not understand or have not grown up in. Like that, that's better humanity for sure. Um, so I forget. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, so yeah, we're just talking about, yeah, I was talking about the, uh, the likelihood of us being some kind of post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, like I think utopian kind of, I think s- there will always be someone who will step in and will, you know, go a little further. I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of things that happen, happen, have to happen on earth before we start heading out to the stars because, you know, like the, the whole first space race was basically just showing, we have better rockets yeah. between the Soviet Union and the U.S., and there's not really that kind of a thing anymore. Like every, there's so many nukes that it's like, okay, we get it. You know, you could destroy everyone; it's fine. Like you're not, you're not really, you don't need to show it off as much anymore. It's just knowing you have yeah. it; it's a deterrent. Um, so I think that you know, like progresses in technology, and you know. Uh, moving away from fossil fuels like i think there's a lot of people like uh is it elon musk that's that's behind tesla yeah that that sounds right yeah i might be pronouncing his name wrong but like that's like he's he's doing so much he's and he's behind spacex as well which Mm. is sort of privatizing the space industry which i think makes more sense like rather than having it government funded having it sort of a private industry and uh you know if you can prove that you can do it uh in a cost-effective way i think that that makes more sense uh, not that I hate NASA or anything like that. I'd love to see NASA make a ton of money and do cool stuff. Yeah. But I think it makes more sense to be privatized. I'm a little... I'm, I'm torn between which way we're going. Because I think we look back 
at some of the great achievements of humanity, like the pyramids, for example, right? Right. And I know there's debate about whether that was built by slaves or by people humans. who, yeah. By humans, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Conspiracy theory, here yeah. we go. Okay. Uh, full circle. No, there's, uh, whether it was built by slaves or built by people who, um, they did it as part of their yearly work and it wasn't really slavery. But anyway, my point is, like, all the kind of great achievements that humanity points to came at a huge cost, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of times I hear discussions about we're going to innovate our ways out of it, but I wonder, like, how bad it will get. Because yeah. I think, like, that post-apocalyptic world that we're scared of entering, a lot of people already kind of live there in other parts of the world. And I wonder if, like, 200 years from now, they're going to say, oh, wow, it's great we have all this cool stuff now, but all those people who are starving have to pay the price. Right. When, well, the, when the mean, Fiji sinks into the ocean, which they came out today with a press release saying they're blaming the world because they're as the ocean levels rise, they're going to be swallowed by the ocean. Yeah. Uh, like, how many people are going to pay that price? I don't know. But what makes me optimistic is that I think all the damage we're doing and things like that, I think I think you're right. I think people, we uh, humanity has, seems to have a knack for staying alive and innovating. Yeah. And if we can kind of do a dry run, terraforming Earth back into a hospitable place in like a thousand years. Right. A Genesis project, if yeah. you will. <laughs> yeah. That, that's exactly what we could use to go terraform Mars or whatever, yeah. uh, Venus, if they have, we were running a greenhouse effect here, we could do it there or whatever, right? Yeah. So that's my optimistic side is if we figure it out here, we can figure it out in other places. Yeah, I think, I think uh, assuming we don't blow ourselves up, humanity is not meant to stay exclusively on Earth. I think... Uh, there's going to be stuff on the moon. There's probably going to be stuff on Mars. I mean, they're already saying there's that one way ticket to get up to Mars, but I, that might, yeah. that might be a huge scam. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think, uh, the future's bright. It's just difficult to see that. Yeah. I mean, like you go back a hundred years and the stuff that we, if we told about all the good stuff we had right now to someone from, uh, what is a hundred years, 1914, what the stuff we have, uh, they would be, you know, they'd be blown away. It's yeah. like, oh, he, it must be so much better. But it's just, you get a new set of problems every, every, uh, every generation, every And that, I mean, talk to kind of bring it full circle, I guess that's ultimately what a lot of the movies and TV shows are trying to do. Just like Fancy does, that could be a whole other podcast, but, yeah. uh, all these utopian places, they nevertheless still face very much the same challenges that we experience here. Yeah. Uh, resources and things like that. I don't know. Um, Have you ever seen the Inner Light episode of Next Generation? What's the, I don't remember names of these episodes. Um, so essentially, this little probe shows up in front of the Enterprise. I'm going to spoil if you if you haven't seen the Inner Light and you want to turn off the podcast now or just turn <laughs> it down. Uh, but a probe appears in front of the Enterprise and it shoots like a beam at Picard and he faints. Um, and then he wakes up and he's on another planet and everybody's saying, oh no, and he's, he's like, oh, I need to get back to my ship. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? You don't, you're not from a ship, you're this person. And he spends an entire lifetime on this planet and he become, he eventually comes to terms with the fact that maybe I was never a captain, uh, this is my planet, this, I, and he, uh, but the, the, the planet is dying essentially, like they're, the, uh, they're running out of water, and like the the, uh, the star near them is expanding, and, and it's 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 drying up the planet essentially. So he's trying to fix that. Um, and the end of the episode, you know, all the all the things that he's put into place have not been able to work. Uh, he's an old man, and they send off a probe uh, with all the information about the, that society, and then you know he's greeted by the people he saw at the beginning of the episode, saying you know. We chose you because we don't want our 
our society and we don't want our world to be all for naught. We want to tell our story. So they essentially made him live a lifetime on the planet so that he can pass it forward. Oh, wow. Uh, and so that he wakes up from this coma and he's back on the Enterprise and, like, no time has passed. Yeah. But he has that memory in his head and it's, like, it's a really powerful That's episode. Cool. It's, it's kind of cheesy, you know, because it's, oh, you know, he lived another life and it's very sad. And he, 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 he learns how to play this little tiny flute his entire life. And then when he wakes up, he has... They, I guess the beam put the flute oh. in his pocket or something. So that comes back a few times in the movies and in a couple other episodes. He's playing the flute, and it's a very personal experience for him because he lived this whole life. Oh, wow. And, yeah, like that's that's an, an exceptional episode. And that's... Even if, even if humanity is destroyed and we blow each other up and everything, I think our probe is Voyager. And someone, someone is going to find that little golden disc and know about humanity. Like, it's already out of the solar system. Eventually it's going to get somewhere. Hopefully someone picks it up. Yeah, if they, a long enough timeline, I think a lot of that stuff, um, all the information that's been sent into space, something has to come back. Yeah. Which, uh, we're kind of running out of time here, but I have a, I have a question, actually, you guys forgot. How does how, do, how does the Prime Directive work with planets like ours that are, are actively searching for signals in space? Are you supposed to kind of steer clear of those planets so that you don't reveal yourself? Uh, so the Prime Directive states that you cannot... Uh, interfere with the workings of a pre-warp civilization. Yeah. So, even though humanity might be ready to talk to a race, out, uh, an alien race or something, we're not allowed. They're they're not allowed to interfere. Yeah. And if you've advanced technologically enough that you have warp technology, you're probably able to avoid radio waves or. or yeah, I guess so, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Although. Every episode of Star Trek is them just 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 taking the Prime Directive and throwing it in the garbage. Pretty oh, much, enough. they're in they're in some mountain and they have a hologram up to make sure that no one can see them because they're observing. And then the hologram craps out, and then some you know tribe of of uh, of natives on this planet find out that there's space people, and then they got to figure out what do we got to do. These people have this knowledge. <laughs> Kill that them they all. Should, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they just they just torch the planet and yep. then they move on. Yeah, and they send a probe out, and then hopefully someone gets flashed with that probe yep. to remember all the memories of that planet. A probe with a little flute inside. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, I think I don't know. I think it brings us full circle. I think with I a think little so. sci-fi discussion. I think we can talk about this for a lot, a lot longer in different yeah. areas. But I just wanted to kind of get us introduced to the sci-fi world that we both seem to enjoy a little bit. Yeah. No. I mean, it's like if, if you look at science fiction at face value, it is it is crazy. Yeah. And you know, uh, it, it's just it, it's insane, and it, it doesn't make sense. And you know, saying that this is where we're going to be in the future almost it always is wrong. Yeah. But using it as sort of an allegory to try and teach people lessons, which pretty much all of them are, like it's some either either retelling uh, a story from history or, you know, talking about the political climate or, uh, you know, showing how as humanity we can band together or something like that. Um, you look past the surface and the goofy makeup and, you know, the, the aliens that look like fish, you know, it's, it, there, there's a lot there and I think, a lot of people don't give it a chance, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a great episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think the same way. Whenever we talk about science fiction or uh, fantasy, like Game of Thrones, with my girlfriend, I see your eyes glass over, and I'm like, just give me like two more minutes to explain this. Yeah. Uh, yeah I definitely think there's out there. And besides, you're learning about the War of the Roses. Yeah. There might even Game of there, Thrones. I, I saw that post on Reddit too. <laughs> <laughs> there, there might be a universe where there's women with three breasts, as we saw oh, in that documentary. They're on, they're on Mars. <laughs> they're on Mars. Arnold's heading there. 
Yeah, well, that wraps it up uh, for this episode of Unnecessary Side Project. Thanks again, Joe. Hopefully, you enjoyed yourself. I did. It was a great. It was a great chatting with you. Awesome. And we'll see everybody else next time, or well, you'll hear us next time. See you later. Thank you for your patronage. We will see you next week.